if a sloppy leader uh, takes leadership of a efficient and effective organization, that organization will become sloppy. Hey everyone, it is Angie Wachowski. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of Spark, Bet on You, Leading from the Front. I'm a Marine veteran. And most importantly, I am the Bet on You radio show program host. I am so excited about our season three. It is all about giving you the tools and resources to start a small business. And the series would not be complete unless we brought in just a powerhouse who can give us some guidance on transforming a group of individuals into a team. Because really, when you think about it, you're probably the business that you aspire to enter into. You'll have employees and you want your employees to care, to stay engaged, to be as committed to success as you are. And so how do you do that? How do you tap into the discretionary effort of individuals? I like to think that every individual around us walks through this world with effort, discretionary effort, effort they would give if they really, really, truly cared and were connected to what they were doing. And guess what? We have as business owners, managers, aspiring business leaders, we have the opportunity through this concept of servant leadership and through constantly building our team. So there's some great models that we can refer to that can help us think about growing and nurturing a team. I can think of Tuckman's model, you know, it's called forming, storming, norming, performing, like the stages of team building, that's great. But the one thing that runs consistent through any team transformation is trust. So I have an amazing guest here today. His name is Major General John Gronsky. He has led at the very strategic level in the U.S. Army, but he's promised to give us some amazing tactics today that if we put them into practice, we can have the team of our dreams. Army leader, and I know I served in the Marine Corps, and we could talk inter-surface rivalry all day, but we're talking today about a subject that actually unites us. We're talking about leadership. Welcome to the program, John. Angie, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I was so excited when you accepted this invitation because we're talking in our small business series about you know, learning how to start a small business. But obviously for our audience, they have to see their success often through other people. And I'm like, well, how are we going to help people learn how to build a team? And I'm like, Major General Gronsky, of course. Can you, <laughs> can you share a little bit about your career just for our audience before we get into the really detailed questions? Yeah, yeah. I ended up serving just over 40 years in the Army, uh, both on active duty and in the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. I, Got my commission in 1978, uh, never thought I would be serving still in 2019. Uh, but, uh, you know, some highlights of my career, um, you know, infantry officer for most of my career, uh, commanded at the company, battalion, brigade, division level. So, you know, went up from leading 140 soldiers to 850 to 5,000 to 15,000. And then the last three years of my career, I spent as a deputy commanding general at U.S. Army Europe. Uh, but but some interesting uh, assignments I had in 2000 as a colonel. I went over to the country of Lithuania, worked with the Lithuanians for a year. Uh, that was only seven years after they regained their independence from the Soviet Union. Uh, 2005 and six, I commanded a brigade of 5,000 soldiers and Marines 
in Al-Anbar province in Ramadi, Iraq, uh, during a very violent, um, chaotic time there. Uh, then after that, commanded the 28th Infantry Division, 15,000 soldiers. And then again, my last three years I spent at U.S. Army Europe as one of the deputy commanding generals. So just, just have had a blessed career. The Army has done much more for me than I've done for it. And uh, I would just like to encourage anybody out there listening, you know, if you're looking for a way to serve, I mean, Marines, Army, any one of our services is a great way to do that. And you meet so many great people that will be friends for a lifetime. And it's just a great way, even if you don't serve for an entire career, you know, just, just to serve for, you know, four years, six years, whatever. It's just a great way to start one's life. I agree. And being service of something greater than yourself is such a great way to launch your professional life. And you are saying something that I think is really important to help bring our listeners along to this lens, if you will, of how to grow and build a team. Because I've read about your background and you call yourself a servant leader, which really is a leadership philosophy. So an approach that you see yourself as a manager. Can you describe what a servant leader is for our audience? Yeah, I, th I think what a servant leader is, as is um, uh, knowing that instead of uh, your followers serving you, you have to serve your followers. And I think what leaders have to recognize, especially aspiring leaders, you know, if, if you're leading a team of five and then you get promoted and now you're leading a, a, a team of 20, it's not like now you've got extra people to serve you. Now you've got extra people that you have to serve. So as you go up through, you know, leadership promotion after leadership promotion, life should get harder for you uh, be, because now you've got more people to serve rather than the other way around. But uh, I found that um, leaders that I respect uh, really, uh, you know, just latch onto that challenge of, of knowing that the leadership journey is going to get more difficult, but also more fulfilling. And uh, I think that's the way leaders have to look at it. Uh, no, great point of view. And I wonder if you can recall some of those early lessons that you were taught or that the Army instilled upon you to be successful in your role. Because I imagine, you know, as a young second lieutenant, you're leading and managing, if you will, people generally your age and some actually a little bit older with much more experience. What were some of the early leadership lessons or insights that were given you to be successful in that role? Values are so important. You really have to know what your core values are. And of course, the Army has values, seven uh, values, but you also have to understand what your core values are. And then you really have to uh, work at understanding what are the behaviors associated with those values. And even in tough times, especially in tough times, that's that's when you really have to stand for for your values and not let anybody kind of redirect you away from those values. Uh, so I think that's real important for a young leader. One thing I learned when I was a company commander, you know, a captain, I uh, commanding an infantry company, about 140 soldiers. And I had read somewhere in a uh, military leadership manual that a unit will take on the leader's personality. And I thought, how, you know, I was, I was young, I was in my 20s. I thought, how could that be? You know, how could a group of 140 individuals take on my personality? You know, I'm not that powerful. And one thing I found is that's exactly true. You know, if a squared away leader takes on a uh, leadership of a sloppy organization, that sloppy organization will become more effective and, and more efficient. 
if a sloppy leader uh, takes leadership of a efficient and effective organization, that organization will become sloppy. Um, you know, if you're a, a, a leader who has strong core values, that organization will take on those core values. Uh, it's magical, uh, but but it's so true. Anybody who doesn't think that that organization is going to mirror the way you are and the way you behave is, is wrong. That That's exactly the case. Leadership is so important. Leadership makes a difference. I think you're talking about some really important qualities here. And I want to go back to about values, because oftentimes we've you know, we see organizations and their values printed on a coffee cup, printed on a poster on the wall. What are some of your practices for making those values present and alive in people's lives? So they're not just fancy words, um, you know, push down people's throats, but really that they're active and alive. How does that happen? What are some of the tactics? I love that you asked that question because I talk about this a lot about operationalizing and organizations' values. Mm -hmm. And a question I like to pose to uh, civilian leaders is, you know, you have those organizational values on a poster hanging on the wall, but when you make a business decision, when the senior leadership team gets together to make a business decision, do you factor those organizational values into the business decisions you make? And I'm not sure how many organizations actually take the time and the effort to do that, but that's important. Uh, some ways to operationalize values. One way I found very effective when I was in the army is if we would conduct an exercise, let's say the exercise, you know, an, uh, an infantry unit assaulting an objective. You know, once that exercise was over to gather the group together and we have what we call an after action review where we're, learn where we're uh, identifying, hey, what did we do well that we want to do well again next time? What didn't we do so well that we want to improve? And then I would get the group, I would say, okay, let's talk about the army values of loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, personal courage. And I would go to individuals and I would ask them, okay, how did loyalty, uh, what did loyalty have to do with this exercise of assaulting the objective? You know, what did integrity have to do with that? You know, what did honor have to do with that? And, and you get the group to talk about how the organizational values factored into exercise and, and businesses could do this civilian businesses could do this when they when they're conducting a hot wash during the course of implementing a project even if the project isn't complete yet at, at various stages a lot of organizations will will do these hot washes and you could ask your team during the course of the project or at the end of the project how did our organizational values factor into the work that we're doing and I think when you have those conversations, when you bring your values into everyday conversations, it's a great way to operationalize those values. Great point. I remember working in a pharmaceutical sales organization right when I left active duty in the Marine Corps, and we had this big sales campaign, and then it ended, and then we got the results. And then we just went on to the next campaign. And what blew my mind was that we didn't pause for a second to really reflect on the experience, what yes. we did well, where we learned. And so again, these after action reviews, if you're not doing them, they're also called hot washes, do them. It is so simple. If you want a learning organization, embrace these simple practices. I would love to hear from you, John, because I know in the Army and all the other organizations that you've had the privilege of leading, you were starting off with a group of individuals that, yeah, they had certain training together, but they're coming from different walks of life. How do you take that group of individuals and transition 
them into a team, what advice would you have for our business, aspiring business owners who are thinking about building out their team? Yeah, I, I think two things, and they're very closely related, is, is you have to create and communicate a shared vision. Let me talk about that that first, because this, this is the way I created a, a shared vision when I took over command of the 55th Brigade. It was about 3,000 soldiers. Uh, and I would, I would go and I would talk to various soldiers in the organization. At this point in time, this particular brigade, and I did command two brigades. It's the first one I commanded. There were about 3,000 soldiers in this brigade. And uh, I knew I couldn't talk to all 3,000 soldiers and get their opinion of what our our vision should be. So I would go to a cross section. I would go to a private who just spent, you know, so far he only had maybe six months experience in the army. And I would ask the, that private, I would say, you know, what, where would you like to see this organization five years from now? And, and what are some of the things that would make you proud to serve in this organization? And then I would go to a sergeant with nine years experience and ask them the same question and a major with 14 years experience. So different levels uh, of leadership, uh, different experiences within the army. And I was amazed because I got pretty much very similar responses from these people. And really what they wanted, they wanted to uh, be part of an organization that took training seriously. So if they had to deploy, they'd be able to do their job properly. That's essentially what they wanted from the organization would make them proud uh, to be a member of an organization like that. And so I, I kind of crafted that into a shared vision that I then communicated. And one thing I found that was essential is you had to be very, very consistent in the communication. You could not have a vision of the week. You know, you could not have um, a, a vision of the quarter. You would have to have a vision that would be consistent over really several years. Because if you weren't consistent in communicating that vision, people in the organization get confused. They don't know, hey, do you want me to go left? Do you want me to go right? Like, where, where, where are we really trying to march off to? So uh, really talking to people and getting their opinion, listening first before you create that vision, and then communicating it in a very consistent manner, and then also communicating it through a variety of mediums. You know, if you're talking one-on-one -on -one to someone, that vision has to be the same vision. If you're talking to a group, vision has to be the same. If you're putting something in a trifold or a memo, again, the same type of vision. So uh, those type of techniques really work for me. And then the other thing is purpose. Purpose is a little bit different than vision. Purpose is why are we doing what we do? You know, what are we working toward that is something greater than ourselves? Why do we get up out of bed in the morning? You know, all those type of uh, questions you have to answer when you're putting the purpose together. But vision and purpose, very similar, uh, very important for a leader, especially if you're just taking over an organization. Make sure you have that vision and that purpose articulated to, to the group. Great guidance. And I, you know, sometimes think that people feel that, oh, well, we're selling coffee or we're making parts or we're doing this. What's the purpose? I had a friend of mine from grad school who worked on a manufacturing floor for John Deere, and he would always go down and remind his folks that, hey, we're creating the equipment that feeds the world. Never yeah. forget that. So you can be creative with, I mean, and realistic, of course, with your purpose. Um, it just has to happen. So just, you know, constantly remind your team those things. What then do you do, John, when you have some team dysfunction? Function. Because I'd love to think 
that, you know, the army only produces perfect people, just as I'd love to think that the recurling, yeah, there's no imperfection with our people, but we're humans, we're going to be imperfect. Can you give some guidance on how to deal with either a difficult employee or a dysfunctional team? What are some of your guidance, you know, words of guidance there? Yeah, I, I like to say to leaders, hey, first, you got to you got to look at am, am I the, as the leader part of the problem? You know, for example, are you not communicating clearly? Are you not showing dignity and respect to the people you lead? Because, I mean, if you're not communicating clearly, if you're a, 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 a toxic leader, if you're not showing your folks dignity and respect, if you're not explaining to them what the priorities are, there is going to be dysfunction in the organization. So I think a leader has to take a hard look at themselves first. But if they are communicating well, et cetera, et cetera, and there, are, there is some dysfunction, what it really takes is personal courage to hold people accountable. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times there's, there's certain leaders who don't like to have difficult conversations. But if you're in a position of leadership, uh, you do have that responsibility to have difficult conversations about explaining to people what they might be doing incorrectly if they're not meeting the standard. I've seen in my experience, not only in the military, but also leading civilian organizations, that there are many leaders, let's say vice presidents, senior vice presidents, that are real good at articulating what the standards are, but not so good on enforcing those standards. And so, uh, you know, if, if you have standards and somebody is not meeting up to the standard, you got to bring them in, in private. You know, that's one of the techniques you don't want to criticize in public. Bring the person in in private. And first of all, just ask them, hey, is there something going on in your life I'm not I'm not aware of that maybe is causing you not to meet the standard and find out if there's some type of issue that maybe you could assist with. And and then, you know, have that conversation about why, you know, the, why is it important to meet the standard? Why do we have the standard? Why do we have this rule? And, and by the way, I'm real big on leaders not, um, not making rules just for the sake of making rules. You know, the rule has to make sense. There has to be a reason why you're making the rule. You got to be solving a problem by making that rule. And the rule also has to be enforceable. You know, one of the worst things a leader could do is, is make a rule that is impossible to enforce or make a rule that's not really solving a problem and isn't necessary. So those, those are some of the things I come, that come to my mind when I, when I talk to leaders about dealing with difficult situations or having difficult conversations with people. I agree. Like, I think, again, accountability, no stupid rules and make your rules enforceable. Yeah. Great, great summation of... Hopefully it's a great summation of your guidance. Uh, well, a couple more questions. Can you offer our audience some words of encouragement? Maybe this is really, you know, as they think about starting their business, this is the first time that they've ever really brought a group of people together to form a team. Can you offer our listeners some words of encouragement? Yeah, I, I would just say that it's really all about your your mindset and, and, and you know, the, the thoughts in your mind. You know, we have it's only natural. I think human beings are hardwired to have negative thoughts come into our mind. Uh, and I think it's maybe some type of defense mechanism. Uh, and so it's real important for us to overcome those negative thoughts and put those positive thoughts in their place. Uh, you have to have uh, a goal that you set for yourself and have an action plan that goes along with that goal so you know what direction you're trying to get to. I mentioned consistency before, you have to be consistent. I think one of the big things is, is, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but really want to 
uh, stomped the foot on this, treating people with dignity and respect. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about toxic leaders. I think it's impossible to be labeled a toxic leader if you treat the people you lead with dignity and with respect. That doesn't mean you can't hold them to the standard with dignity. You could do it in a dignified and respectful manner. You could even fire somebody with dignity and respect. Uh, but I, I think those are some of the keys uh, to help motivate somebody, inspire somebody uh, to to know that you could achieve the goal that that needs to be achieved by the organization if you're in a position of leadership or if you're starting your own company. Uh, you know, there, you have to be a resilient person. Anybody who's in a leadership position, uh, I, I will tell you that you are going to face adversity. Adversity is not a bad thing uh, as long as you learn from it. Uh, everybody faces it. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. The, the big thing is learning from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then maybe show the courage to share uh, the times you've made a mistake and how you were able to overcome that mistake with your followers. You know, I think that's allowing yourself to be vulnerable and, and uh, you know, admit that. Oh, the other thing, if you make a mistake as a leader, you absolutely have to take ownership of that mistake, mistake, admit the mistake. Don't try to blame other people, because I will tell you this. If you make a mistake as a leader, you could be guaranteed that your followers know you made the mistake. <laughs> so why not own up to it? You know, your followers aren't stupid. Uh, so those oh, are just yeah. some, some things to mention to, to aspiring leaders. I think that's great. And so last question, and this will be an interesting twist. Um, so can you offer the reverse of our previous question? So don't start a business. Can you complete the sentence? Don't start a business and bring on a team if. If you're not willing to make sacrifices for that team, if you're not willing to place the team's welfare ahead of your own welfare. Uh, you know, leadership is a, is a very um, responsible position. You've got to be responsible for the welfare of those you lead. And if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, uh, please don't take on that role. Oh, words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Don, for this conversation. Angie, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me again to be a part of this conversation. I don't know about you, but I am walking away with just so many aha moments and so many times that I can think of like, yes, wow, that is it. So what I loved about Major General Gronsky's message was that it was simple in the sense that it simply stated, demonstrating these behaviors are super hard, but it takes time, focus and intention, the things that you have and the things I know you can do really well. So I've got three takeaways from the conversation. The one that I thought was really important for us all to reflect upon is that organizations take on the characteristic of its leader. So if you don't like perhaps the behaviors that you're seeing, that is a really important time to take a step back. Don't point the finger, point like the thumb at yourself. How am I contributing to this? How is this a reflection of my leadership style? Because I heard in the Marine Corps this great saying, you as a leader have to keep the standards. You have to enforce the standards. You have to model the standards. So you're responsible for all your team does and all your team fails to do. And then you have to own it. The second thing that he talked about was treating people with dignity and respect. I mean, imagine, if you will, 
that every single person in your organization, even the ones who frustrate you, you know, they're, they're human and they have a desire to do really well. In order to get there, treating them with dignity and respect is the currency you need to have them be an engaged, committed team member. The final thing that I took away with is just this ownership aspect, especially if you make a mistake. You know, sometimes we think if we aren't perfect or we make mistakes that people aren't going to notice or that if we excuse it, it's going to be okay. But really, when you own it, people are relieved. They actually trust you more because they, you know, first and foremost, see it, <laughs> see that the mistake was made, but they respect and appreciate how you respond to it. We're imperfect, everybody around us. But if we can focus on not just what happened, but what we're going to do about it, Man, that's just that level of accountability is inspiring. Thanks again for your time and attention on the Bet On You radio show. And if you want to stay connected, visit AngieConnect.com. I look forward to seeing you again.